up for you. If you have a Bible, let's go to Mark chapter 1. Going back to our old buddy Mark. As you are headed there, I hope that your uh, celebration of Lent and Holy Week and Easter weekend and everything, I hope that that was uh, um, just a really amazing journey for you and for us as a church. And now we're on the the other side of that. We are kind of getting back into some teaching rhythms here on Sundays. We have a couple of things that are coming up in the next few weeks. We have a day in the park is two weeks away. We know crawfish boil kind of thing where we are uh, hanging out together and stuff, but we're also bringing other people uh, into that. And so hope that you're ready to invite some folks to uh, to play kickball and softball and there all kind of stuff. We'll talk about next weekend a lot more. Details that's coming up. We have family dedication that's coming up uh, in a couple weeks as well, and so there's a lot of good things on the horizon. Um, and uh, you know, with with world events kind of being, um, there's never really a time where like the globe is stable, you know. Uh, but we have obviously we have some people who are serving as missionaries in different parts of the world. We have a children's home in India, and uh, you know sometimes you you see things on the news, you hear things, you're like, I wonder. Wonder how how things going. Uh, so we heard from we, there's one missionary in particular who is a covenant member here who's serving in Southeast Asia. She emailed in today, said things are fine, you know, there. Don't worry about her, that kind of stuff. And so she's keeping in touch with uh, with some folks here and keeping us up to speed on some things. And so we definitely need to be praying. Obviously, the the state of the world is it's it's just always kind of crazy out there and. Um, we just need to really be praying for our leaders, our world leaders, not just our American leaders, you know, uh, as everyone's working together and that the church is uh, underneath the, the cover of all this political, military, all this kind of stuff, whatever, that the church is there being the bride. That's what, that's, that's what we really need happening. And, uh, you know, that just begins here with, with us. So trying to be faithful. And a part of our faithfulness is, is we're learning from Jesus, like, how to exist in the world around us. We're we're looking at him and we're saying, okay, you've, you've shown us how to navigate the craziness that can exist. Uh, no one has done it better than him. And so we've begun a study of the Gospel of Mark, just going a little bit at a time. And we're going to be basically looking and just examining Jesus' life for a long time and trying to see what does he want us, what does he, what does he want us to do? What does he want us to, to think? How does he want us to be, like, behave? Like, how, like, all those kind of things are very important. And there are times when we, when we see Jesus and we are like, we're really kind of focused in on what he's saying. You know, that he says some really profound things and some confusing things. And sometimes he's trying to say something profound in a simple way, but we just kind of get lost along the way and that kind of stuff. But tonight we're going to look more, we're not going to look at what he says as much as we're going to look at what he does. Okay, so if you're looking at chapter one and you were to back up just a little bit, um, let's, let's think about the what has led up to this moment where we are going to uh, read about. In verse like 21 through 28, it's a Sabbath day. He goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath. He is teaching. People are astounded at his 
at his teaching and his authority. And there, it's kind of, there's kind of a buzz going on. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, this dude, this dude could preach. And they'd never really seen anything like it. Someone stands up in the room, and uh, he, this person is possessed by a demon. The demon starts talking to him. Jesus tells the demon to be quiet and to come out of the man. And so he, like, the demon comes out of him. And uh, every, that really, of course, got everyone's attention. You know? And so they were already buzzing about his authority and his teaching. Now they're buzzing about his authority over the demonic. They're like, man, this, who is this guy? They leave the synagogue. They go to uh, Peter's uh, mother-in-law's house. She has a fever. And Jesus heals her of this fever. He takes her by the hand, stands her up. Fever goes away. Um, and so they were kind of like, I mean, they, they were just like, well, we've never seen anybody do this stuff before, right? And so when the sun goes down, people start coming to the door from around the town, bringing other sick people to him. And he starts to heal them. And they are bringing other people who are possessed by a demon like that guy was in the synagogue. And he starts calling the demons out of there. And he spends like time tending for the rest of the evening. We don't know how long. He's, just, he's healing people and he's casting demons out and healing people and casting demons out. And all these healings and all these exorcisms. Um, and so he goes to bed that night. Now the Sabbath is done. Right, like he's rested his Sabbath day, and now he's already exhausted going into the next day. Probably, I mean, a holistically exhausting day. And uh, at some point, they go to sleep. We don't know how he like finished that day or what time that was or whatever. But verse thirty-five picks up where where those that sequence of events leaves off. Says, "And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed." And Simon and and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that's why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Verse 35, should it should give us, like we should be taken back a little bit, or taken aback a little bit, depending on how you pronounce that phrase. We should read verse 35 and be like, whoa, okay, that's, that's really significant. That he got up in the, early in the morning, let's read it again, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed, went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. So he got up early, before everyone else probably, snuck away. He carved out intentional time to pray. And it says he went to a desolate place. And so he went to an intentional like space, away from everyone else, in order to pray. And there, all that we know is that he prayed. We don't know what he prayed, we don't know how long he prayed. We don't, we don't know anything other than he was there praying. Now, sometimes I think prayer, prayer kind of becomes a strange thing sometimes in, in, in Christian culture because uh, in an attempt to, I guess, normalize it, you know, and, and help, it, like, help everyone understand how accessible prayer is, that it's, it's not, that some, not something for like the, the holiest of priests, you know, that can only do in the cathedrals and things and uh, this is like this is for all of us that Jesus has made a way for all of us to be people who pray. Um, that perhaps it's it's maybe taken on a life of its own. Maybe it's become maybe a little bit different than than what the scriptures describe. Um, 
In Matthew 6, Jesus is, is teaching the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching on prayer. And he compares it to, uh, like to a child talking to their father. He says, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is, who is unseen. And he's going he's gonna to hear you. Now granted, uh, that is not the best imagery to use for some people because we have, we have like our only example are like these earthly dads. And sometimes it's, they're a great example and sometimes they're not a great example. But I think, we're, I think he would want us to put those earthly examples aside and recognize that, that he is this perfect, holy father. And so we as a child, it's like prayer is just like it's, it's you're sitting in the room, you're talking to your to to your father. He happens to run the universe and be holy and perfect, but he's still he's your dad, you know. And somewhere along the way, I'm not sure if if you were this way or or maybe it was just me, but I, I kind of picked up in the rhythms of church life this idea that prayer was this supposed to be this dialogue, you know. I was like, well, I talk to God, and God talks to me, and we talk to each other, and it's like this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth thing. And I go to him, and I say, hey, I need you to tell me what to do. And he says, okay, Josh, well, here's, here's how you handle that. And I come away with this experience, you know, and, and like, and, and I'm, you know, I look different. I come with like Moses coming down with the Ten Commandments, you know, like I just met with the Lord, and I know exactly what to do with this situation. And that that's what happens every single day of our lives and that's, you know, we're supposed to pray without ceasing. So basically, we're just constantly having this, like, ongoing dialogue with God just all the time. And I remember, I, I, was, I was a 90s youth group kid. And I was a 90s youth group kid before Disciple Nows were a thing. But we did a Disciple Now, we just didn't call it that until it became trendy to call it a Disciple Now. And I remember the first one that I ever went to, I was in, like, the 7th grade. And it was all about how to have this thing called a quiet time. And I'd heard, I'd heard of this quiet time. But I, in, the, in the kids' ministry, though, we weren't quiet time people yet. That was a youth group thing. And so a part of what was exciting about getting to go to the youth group, well, it had a bunch, of, a bunch of different perks to it. One of them was you got to learn about quiet times. And so you go on this retreat thing at these people's house, and you learn about a quiet time. And I remember they gave us, it was, a little, it was like a little booklet, and it had a... It was like a plastic cover, but it had like velvet kind of on the outside. You know, like a, some people's checkbooks or whatever. And it was a, it said like student devotional or something like that. It was gold writing. I can still remember it. And they gave it to us. And they were like, these are your quiet time books. And here's how you do a quiet time. And they sat us down. And, and I'm not, I'm gonna, it's going to sound like I'm mocking this, but I'm really not. Uh, like they were like, this is how you do this. Like, so you open it to the first page. And it has some, like read this in the Bible and answer some of these questions. And ask God this stuff and write down what you think He's telling you and that kind of stuff. And it was, as in the seventh grade, you're like, okay, now I know what to do. Like, they walked me through it. And then they sent me home, and they're like, here's what you do. And so I would go through, and I would do that, and I would have this quiet time. And I thought it was, like, the greatest thing in the world. But somewhere along the way, two things got, got strange in my brain. One of them was that God was supposed to talk to me every time. That was my new expectation. The other was that a quiet time became, like, the like the the chart on the wall where every time you do one, you get like the star, you know. It became the question that was asked about, like in Sunday school, of like, did you memorize the, the memory verse this week? Did, how many quiet times did you have this week? You know, it was like one of those kind of things. And it became what separated the good Christian kids from the bad Christian kids. 
And this expectation was there that I have to not only have a quiet time every day, but I have to hear from God every single day. And that little journal had less and less words in it. And eventually it got to where I just never even used it. I probably made it, you know, a fifth of the way through. And quiet times come probably from verses like this. It's like, yeah, Jesus, he went off by himself. He was away from everyone else and he prayed. And that's what we should be doing. And the intention is, re- is really good, like to really like to want people to know that this is possible. But the Bible doesn't really speak of prayer as, as, a, like, as a dialogue as much as it really speaks of, of it in terms of like one way. Like, I talk to God and God listens to me. It's still communication. Sometimes we get this hang up in our minds that communication has to be two-way dialogue. You know, I talk, you listen, and then you talk, and I listen. And it goes back and forth. But see, we're, like, there's communication happening right now. I'm talking to you, and you are listening to me. And every now and then, someone grunts in affirmation. And I'm like, oh, there's, I heard that. You know? But for the most part, it's a pretty quiet room. Sometimes I get a little laugh every now and then. But it's still communication that's happening. So... Jesus says, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who's unseen. If we go into our, our time with God in prayer and we're expecting it to be this, like, uh, I, I talk to God, God talks to me, I hear Him, that kind of stuff, we're, we're probably missing the boat. It's really more, I'm going to go and I'm going to sit with God and I'm just, I'm just I'm going to dominate the conversation. And I'm going to know that He's just sitting there, smiling, nodding His head, and listening. Or maybe sometimes he's, he's got a sad face, but he's, he's listening, you know. That he's empathetic sometimes, he's compassionate sometimes, that he's laughing sometimes, you know. He's assuring me it's okay sometimes. Like, a lot of you parents, you probably have your kids come to you sometimes, and, and, and like, they're all worked up about something, and you, are, you react in a way that you're trying to, like, coach them, but... At the same time, you're, you're just letting them be in the moment and letting, you're letting them know that you're there with them. But that's really what prayer is. It's, 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 I'm just going go, to tell God a bunch of things. If he wants to communicate back, that's awesome. If you guys ever want to communicate back to me in a sermon by saying amen or nodding your head or smiling or anything like that, that's awesome to me. But that, that doesn't keep me from like, doing what I'm supposed to do, right? Like that's... And so when I go into prayer, if my expectation is I got to have this holy moment where I hear angels, harps playing and beams from heaven and I come out and my hair is long and white and I'm carrying stone tablets and have no idea why. If that's my expectation, then prayer is not going to happen. Because that is, that's one, that's not really what the Bible talks about. And two, that's such an intimidating, unrealistic situation. So Jesus carves out intentional time. He goes into intentional space. And all we know is that he, he prayed. And if we can think prayer, like, like maybe just this one-way dominant thing, like what if, what if what he prayed that morning was just the Lord's Prayer, just like that day's version of it? Of saying how awesome God is, and how near he knows that he is, and, and, and his desire to bring the, like for, king, the, for earth and heaven to be like one to say, man, yesterday was crazy. Today is probably going to be crazy too. I'm just trusting you to give me what I need. I'm trying. I'm trying to walk in holiness. I'm facing all kinds of weird temptation. Uh, the the Satan is just he's coming at me all the time, all the time. I'm trusting you to help sustain me through that. I have all these people who who are like they're going. This one dude is going to betray me. You know, 
Like someone is going to, that's going to happen. All these people are going to turn on me and they just want me for the wrong reasons so I can heal them. So I need to, I need help absorbing all, all of that. You know, I, I just, I need, I need you. I need your perspective. I just need to know what's going on. What, what if, what if Jesus was just dominating the conversation and the father was just like, mm-hmm, I know, just listening. So for him to go off by himself, intentional space, intentional time, as people who are watching the actions of Jesus, as one we are to imitate and learn from, this, this should give us pause. We should look at his life and say, okay, he, here's someone who can, he can totally relate to being overextended, you know? I mean, just maxed out. People just pulling on you all the time, needing stuff from you all the time. His Sabbath is done. He's got five more days of this. He's got to recharge his batteries somehow. And so what does he do? Well, he gets up a little earlier than everybody else the next day. And he goes away from everyone where they can't even find him. He's not like just in the next room. He's like, you know, I'm going to get away from here. And he goes and he spends time with the Father. Now, I don't know how you recharge your batteries, you know. I, I hope that Sabbath is becoming a, like a, a full day of rest is an important thing. And we've talked about that very openly. But there, there's also like those like between every day, you know, kind of things. Because if, 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 you, if your Sabbath rest is... From Saturday night to Sunday night, what happens at the end of Monday night when you're like, I'm not going to make it? Today has been insane. How do you go from Monday to Tuesday without burning out? From Tuesday to Wednesday, you know? How do you do that without taking it out on your friends or your spouse or your kids or your coworkers? You know, like how do we, how do we, how do, we do that? Well, we do that the way that our rabbi did that. And the way that our rabbi did that was he snuck away from everyone else. I was like, I'm going to go where you are going to have a hard time finding me. And when you do find me, you know what I'm going to be doing? Not playing on my phone. Not reading a book. Not taking a nap. You're going to interrupt me in prayer to my father. Because that is where the batteries are recharged. That's where the, the focus comes from. Maybe that's why when they finally did find him, they're like, dude, everyone's looking for you. And he's like, no, no, we're not going to do that thing again. We're going to go to these other towns because that's really why I'm here. To resist the crowds and the fame and the hype and the popularity. And he said, no, let's, let's let them be. Let's go to this other town because they haven't heard yet. That's what I came here to do. So where does this come from? You know, this wasn't just like a discipline of his. I believe that a part of what this tells us about Jesus, that he would get up early, have intentional time, an intentional place, to pray to his Father, I mean, just to communicate, convey things to his Father, is because time with the Father was very, very important to Jesus. Like, time with God, a quiet time, was this kind of, it was like this level of important to him. It was like get up earlier than everyone else. Go hide from them. Kind of important. 
So what does that tell us? You know, like what is what is where is that coming from? What is this that display? I, mean, I just want to offer two two things that I think that tells us. One is I think it displays love. It tells us that everything about God is relational. And so it's a pretty easy it's pretty easy for us to understand the the connection between love and quality time. Right? Like that's not like a and you're not sitting there being like, how are you connecting those dots? Like, we, we, know, we understand that. That the people that you love, you want to spend time with. And you don't want to just spend time, like, around them. There's a difference between, like, that, that kind of time, like proximity, you know, and, like, deep quality time. I have a friend who, uh, in his first year of marriage, he, uh, his wife kept getting all these fights because, like, he... Like, she wanted to spend time with him, and he was like, I got stuff to do, you know? And uh, he was telling us, who most of us were unmarried at the time, and he was like, I just don't really get it, because he's not in this room, by the way, in case you're wondering. He was like, I mean, I just finally told her, I was like, I lay in the bed next to you every night. Like, that's like, that's such high-quality time. And all of us were like, ooh. We don't know anything about women or marriage or anything. And we know that was the wrong answer. And he was like, it was definitely, definitely the wrong answer. You, proximity is not quality time. Like you, I heard there's a teaching, that, and we watched it at the parenting thing a while back. It talks about, there's like proximity, but then there's like, like eye to eye, like quality, deep time. That's what you want with the people that, that you love, you know. I find that the, the older I get, the less I want to like go to the movies with people, and the more I just want to like sit around and drink coffee and just like talk real real things with people. You know, you can go to the movies, but you don't really interact. You know, you go, you watch a movie, and then everyone's tired, and then you leave. And there, it's not really like quality time. It's fun, but it's not deep. We understand that connection. You you want quality time with your spouse. If you have kids, you want time where the kids are not there. That you have like date night. That you have like adult conversation with one another, you know. Um, but you also, if you have kids, you want time with your kids. You want individual time with them as well as group time with them. Uh, you want time with your closest friends. That's not, it's not shallow. It's not like just talking about like sports and movies and whatever. That kind of stuff is fine, but you also want to, like you want to get down to it more. Why? Because we are created for those connections with, with each other. God has given us different kinds of connections, and all of those connections, from the most intimate to, uh, to the ones that, that might seem a little bit more casual, all of them are in reflection of the Father, Son, and Spirit. So we are made for that kind of, of relationship, and we understand, we can grasp this idea that, that quality time with those that you love, like those things go together. And so Jesus wanted quality, like alone time with the Father, because the Father was important to him. That agape love involves, like, it involves action. So yeah, Jesus, he worshipped in the synagogue, we know that. He served other people, he preached the gospel, he met their needs. And all those things show love for God, but, but as we study his life, we're going to see him preg- like praying regularly and intentionally. And that is something that is there because that is another way that he loves the Lord. And prayer is where love is shown and where love is deepened. If you're married to someone, you probably got to know them over time by spending time with them. 
right? Like unless you marry like your like pen pal or something like something like that. But most people, you meet someone. There's a there's attraction. There's different things, and you it's time, 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 and that's where love deepens is in that time. Does it grow a little bit more when you're apart? Maybe, but it like it amplifies when you're with them. So, have you ever wondered why there are times when the church is gathered and, and you know, and we're we're singing and we're responding and maybe taking communion? There's this oneness, and you really are just like, I really, I legitimately love the Lord. That's because this is a form of quality time with Him and with each other. But we don't survive on just Sundays, you know. Just like your marriages don't survive on just like occasionally seeing each other. And with the Lord, he's given us this opportunity to be with like to have quality time with him. Now can you can you pray while you're driving down the street? Absolutely. Can you pray at work? Can you pray while you're working out? Can you pray while doing Absolutely. You can do all those kinds of things. That's that's awesome. And we should be interacting with God uh, all the time. But it's different when you say, I'm going to get up early tomorrow. I'm going to get away from anything that can distract me. My phone is not coming with me. I can survive away from that phone for a little while. Because time with the Father is important to me. So part of what we see is Jesus' love for the Father and the Spirit. That's why it's important to him. That's why he takes the time to do it. He's motivated by love above anything else. So that's one thing that we see. The second thing, though, that we see is, is his humility. Talked, I talked last week at Easter about Jesus, uh, you know, him, him being 100% God and 100% man. And he has these two natures that are existing within him and but it seems as though the the majority of his ministry, he he, it was his human nature not accessing his divine nature, and so him him needing like God's leadership, him needing the power of the Spirit to work through him, him him needing the Father's guidance and shepherding. That he was dependent on the leadership of the Trinity, just like you and I are a dependent. And so we see his humility in that he really like he needed what God had for him in that time. It's so easy just to chalk it up to like, well, that's Jesus. Of course he went off and prayed. That's how he does it. And I've done that plenty of times with, with, with people that I know who, who have really sharp disciplines. I'm like, oh, that's just, that's just how he is. That's just how she is. You know? No, that's not. That's not what's going on. We can't just chalk this up to, well, of course it was Jesus. No, he's, he's showing us something. He wanted to be found in prayer. He wanted them to know that he, like, he needed God. I'm not trying to read into it too much, but like he, there was a humility that this shows. The, the prideful do not get up early and go off alone by themselves to pray to the Father. That's not the actions of the prideful that's the action of the humble. You're saying, I can't make it through this day. I, I, can't, I can't do this in my own strength. I know it's just a Tuesday, but I can't do this Tuesday. I can't do this Wednesday. I can't do this Thursday. There, whatever comes my way in my own strength, I cannot handle it. 
the prideful don't ask God for help ever because they think that they're pretty awesome. But the humble, the humble carve out that time and that space because they need God's help. We don't know what words he prayed, but we know that he went off and prayed, and that says a lot to us. We see him modeling something that he wants us to imitate. We see him modeling love for the Father and humility and respect to what God is doing. And so that solitude and that prayer you know the 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 when it comes down to it, I think we have to look at our lives sometimes. And I think we have to like lay our life next to the life of Christ. And not in a self-deprecating way, you know, like this isn't like a let's beat ourselves up about how bad we are, you know. But the Bible's pretty clear that assessment, like self-assessment, is an important thing. We're taught by David to pray that he would search us and try us and test us. Show us what like what we need where we need to grow to lead us in the way everlasting. That he leads us down paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We see Paul and Peter and John and James. I mean, they're just imploring us, and they're, and they're training these these Christians, and they're saying, "Hey, uh, you got to be you got to be who God made you to be. Jesus has freed you to live this life, and you have this you have this this flesh that's trying to to betray you and lie to you and convince you to live this old life. You have an enemy who is coming at you. There's all these things that are going on, so you have to constantly take your life." Look at Jesus' life and figure out, how do, how do I get from where I am to where he is? Like, how can I imitate him? And so when Jesus says, come, like, if you want to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, follow me. I've talked about this so many times. Like, that is a literal, like, come follow me as disciples. Like, be like these guys. And what did they do? They followed him around, and they watched him, and they listened to him talk, and they they ask him questions, and they did a lot of observing. But their whole goal as disciples was to like just start to imitate him. Like they wanted to talk like him, they wanted to walk like him, they wanted to dress like him, they wanted to handle people like him, they wanted to do everything just like him. And what do you think it was like for them to search and search and search and search? And when they find him, what's he doing? He's praying. The impact that must have had on them. If you're a parent, you think about you think about this with your kids. Uh, they're looking. They're looking for you. Where's dad? Where's dad? Where's dad? Where's dad? They find dad. What's dad doing? Oh, he's in his room with his Bible out, praying for my for me today. You think that would make an impression on your kid? If would that have made an impression on you when you were their age? Absolutely, of course. So here's Jesus saying, hey, this, do you want to know what my life looks like? This is what my life looks like. You, know what, you want to know what, what on earth is in heaven looks like? This is what it looks like. You want to know what, what our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, looks like? This is what it looks like. You want to know what asking for daily bread looks like? This is, what it, this, this is it. You want to know about forgiving other people and how that works? This is what it looks like. You want to know what, what the... the the trials and the tests and the temptations that are coming from everywhere and how to make it through, this is what it looks like. This is what your life can look like. 
And there's such a difference sometimes between you lay your life next to Jesus' life and you're just like, oh man, I'm the worst. He's going, no, look what you can become. Look who I'm, gonna, look what I'm making you into. I'm making you into the kind of person who is like, man, I'm getting up early tomorrow because I've, like, I've not had time with the Father. I've got to have time with the Father before I go into tomorrow. I'm setting that alarm earlier. I'm leaving that phone inside. I'm taking my, my, like, my paper Bible with me. I'm going to ask him for things. I'm going to tell him how awesome he is. And I'm just going to humble myself because I can't, I can't do this. It's just an ordinary Tuesday. There's nothing daunting. There's nothing terrible on my schedule. It's a normal Tuesday. But you know what? Even a normal Tuesday is beyond my reach. We can't see this as something intimidating or a way to feel bad about ourselves. We have to look to say, this is, what our, this is where he's taking us. This is what he's making us into. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if you want that or not. I like to sleep. To be honest with you, I love to sleep. And this morning, I just woke up stupidly early. And I was mad. <laughs> I was like, Lord, you know what I have to do today? I have Zachary this morning. I get to leave worship tonight. I get to teach tonight. I got all this stuff going on. I'm super tired from the weekend already. Oh, wide awake. I was like, of course I would be preaching on Jesus, getting up early and praying. So I got up early and I went and sat on my swing and I prayed. I left my phone inside and I, it was perfectly perfect and cool this morning. Yeah. And I sat there and I was like, okay, I get it. You know, there's, there are, you guys, a lot of you guys know John Ringo. He's in a, He's in a CrossFit group that meets at 4.45 in the morning. 4.45 in the morning. Because that's important to him. It's important to that group of people. There's all these gyms that open super, super early because that's important. Don't hear me saying that that is not important. I think that's great. But I can look at things. I can experience that this morning. I can look at my own schedule. I can look at all these things. I can say, am I creating time for the things that are most important to me? And if there is not, like if, if time with the Father is not happening in my life or is not happening in your life, I have to lay my life next to Jesus's. Say, okay, I, this is where I'm headed I don't want to dig my heels in and make this difficult to become like you. I want to join you in my own becoming. So how do I get there? Does it mean that we all have to get up at the crack of dawn or before and like do this? No, I don't think that it's like you have to do exactly this. Jesus is modeling, hey, you need to carve out time. And that time needs to be spent probably away from all the distractions and things that are calling for your attention all the time. And you need to spend time with the Father. And if that is not happening, maybe there is a lack of love that's there. You know, and maybe time with the Father is just not important. Or maybe it's a maybe maybe humility is a is a hang up. Maybe you're like, I don't really need to pray. I'm pretty awesome. And you maybe wouldn't say it that way, but something is at the bottom of prayerlessness. If that's your struggle. And I want you to I want you to be like to hear the hope of 
of what the gospel offers to us is that this is like who he's shaping you into. And so we can resist that. We can say, I don't care what you say. I'm not carving out time, whether it's early or late. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting off by myself. I'm not uh, going to have that solitude. I'm not going to do those things. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to do it. You can dig your heels in. Like he'll let you do that. But he wishes that you wouldn't. Because he's your good father who's sitting there with you in the room. And you're saying, I don't want I don't want to I don't want what you have for me. I don't want it. I don't want it. He's like, but why why? Or we can say, hey, I want to I want to be a part of of like getting closer to this. This I want to imitate my rabbi in this way. I want to follow you into your own practices. I want to grow in my knowledge of your, of your grace and your humility. I want to experience the things that you experienced. I want to be everything that you are making me to be. So I don't want to dig my heels in. I want to dig my heels out. I don't really know. I want to, like, like join, like I want to accelerate that process. I want to make it even easier by following you, following you into, into that. So it has to become very important to us if it is not. So if it is important to you, if you're looking at this and you're like, man, my life doesn't look super different than Jesus' in that, then awesome. Like That's God's grace at work in your life, and that is amazing. I don't want to just assume that everyone's terrible at it, because I don't. But if you look at this and you're like, yeah, prayerlessness is kind of one of my things, perhaps it begins with some pr- like practical looking at what Jesus did, like what he literally did. Maybe it begins with setting aside time, and finding a space where heaven and earth are very thin. Say, so I'm going to go to this place at this time, and I'm, I'm going to pray to the Father. I'm not going to be intimidated, and, and like, I feel like I have to hear a bunch of stuff. I'm just going to tell him all the things I love about him, and I'm going to tell him what, the things that I need. I'm just going to model the Lord's Prayer in that way, and I'm just going to, then I'm going to go about my day. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to trust him. Perhaps it begins by just taking a step toward Christ-like behavior toward imitating him in some sort of way. But it doesn't really matter what's keeping you from prayer. Like if you look at this and you're like, that's something I want for myself. It could be a lack of love. It could be a lack of humility. It could be a number of things. But there is no reason to hold back. You know That perhaps one of the reasons we have this little story, which seems like a transitional piece, uh, it's really pretty significant. Jesus is like, no, this is what... This is what it looks like to transition from one day to the next. This is how you recharge the batteries. This is what a quiet time looks like. It may not even be quiet, but there is time and it is filled with quality. So I don't know where this, this fits into, into your life. I was real excited about it. Because um, to me, it's just one of those like really practical things where it's like, okay, I think I can do that. I think I can imitate him in that way. And so I hope that you're encouraged. I hope that you're, if you need to be convicted, I hope that the Spirit's been doing that. You know, whatever it is that you need. But Jesus is offering like a gracious step forward to you. When we take communion in a, in a second, a part of what you're doing is Jesus is offering himself to you. And you're saying, yes, I, I need what you're offering me. He's saying yes to you by holding it out to you. So Adam's going to serve us tonight. He's one of our elders. He's going to serve but he's really, it's really, it's like Jesus saying, hey, hey, do, do you want to become like your rabbi? And you're like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I want you to as well. Here's what you need. I'm saying yes to you by offering it to you. And you're saying yes to him by stepping forward and taking it. 
And so if you want what Jesus has to offer, then jump in the line. Tear the bread off, dip it in the juice, and, and, and receive what he has. And as we sing, and so if you want to come and pray, we're going to respond for a few minutes together. But uh, all of this comes down to the fact that, that Jesus, Jesus is, he is the goal for us. There is no other goal that surpasses like becoming like him, being one with him. And following him into his own practices is, is where our love deepens, where our humility grows with him. And so I hope that we'll say yes to his yes to us. Let's stand together and pray for us before we begin to sing and respond. God, what a gift of grace uh, to us to be able to to have even just I mean such a simple verse that that speaks very deeply to us. I know that in a room like this, there are probably some that are very encouraged and some that are maybe convicted and uh, some that that are spurred on. They're excited, you know, they're ready to schedule that time, and others are maybe hesitant. There's this wide spectrum probably of, re- of reaction to this, but would you help us to keep in mind that you, it's you that stands in front of us and beckons us. It's you that looks at us and says, hey, come follow me. Come follow me into this practice. Come follow me into solitude and prayer. Come and just trust me that time with the Father is important and it's worth it. Absolutely worth it. Help us to remember who it is that's saying yes to us, to remember who is offering himself to us, whose grace it is that is sufficient and surpasses all everything that we will ever need in our lives. Whatever is holding us back, whatever whatever hiccups there are in place, whether it's about prayer or or just whatever it is, whatever obedient steps are there, would you help us to realize that you are greater and that you are the one who, uh, in your kindness and compassion, invites us into your life. So as we respond in song, as we respond through communion and in prayer, pray that you would use these things, work these things together to prepare us to be sent back out. We love you and we pray all this uh, in your name. Amen. All right. The table is open. Uh, We're going to lead you through a new song tonight. And uh, we'll just respond as God leads.